Okay, so welcome back to another ongoing series of Shurim and Dafyomi. We're now in the Mishnah, the very top, top of Tugot Dafyur Aleph from Aleph, which is the second half of Mishnah Bet. Hagiyorit v'ashuyam ha'shivcha sh'niftum sh'yikarum sh'yishtachiru chutot l'inot shalosh shanim yom achad tubatan matayim. And remember that the Mishnah that we had before just established the basic principle that a the Tuvah is a Tuvah of 200, and Almanah, meaning anybody who was married before in any context, married and widowed, married and divorced, married to the Machalutzah, her Tuvah is 100. Uh, we noticed that there was a Machloket between Mishra and, and Chachamim as to whether Tuvah the Tuvah is the right, everybody agreed that Tuvah the Almanah is the Hanan. In any case, this Mishnah establishes that a convert, a captive woman, or a Shifcha, that moved out of that status, which means that they were either redeemed or converted or liberated uh, at an age of less than three years. They have a tuba of 200 and the Tanat Batulim hold, which means the husband can come and claim not a Batula, and then with all the implications of that we've already seen, and we'll see later on in the end of the parak. Uh The uh, background to this is the notion, and we've seen this many, many times in our study of the second remote, is that B.R. with a girl below the age of three is not considered B.R. at all, because the tissue is so soft, and you'll see a little bit later on in this podcast, uh, and that it does not really want to puncture. In any case, she's still considered a bit too loud. All right. So therefore, if she converted, in any case, then to Yushat Yisrael before the age of three, then that means that there was no point before she entered Yushat Yisrael that it's possible for her to become a Bula, and then afterwards she has a Chazaka, like every other Jewish girl would be a Bula, and so we know differently. Amar Avun, Ger Katan Makbidino told that Beitim. So who this is a Halacha that um, doesn't seem to attach directly to our Mishnah? Uh, we'll see, this is sort of a backdoor association. Puna says that a Ger Katan, meaning a young boy or a young girl, was brought to Beitim, like Raja says, by mother or other members of the family, they say, you take and want to convert him, the Beitim can convert him, even though the child obviously does not have any dot and any ability to express his own desire to convert. So my Kamashbalan, what is it what he's teaching us? This Chutulo, is Achim Adam Shalofanad, is what he's teaching us, these two building blocks, that it's a Chut to become Jewish, and you can be Zot Mezakeh, on behalf of somebody, even without his uh, his express uh, mission, or his agency, Tanina. That's a mission in Gitman. You can be Zoha on behalf of somebody, means you can act on their 100% clear benefit uh, on their behalf for their benefit without their express permission. You cannot act to their detriment without their permission. Right? So then what's the word for Afuna teaching us? After all, for this little kid to become Jewish, it's all good. We're acting on his behalf. We have reason to think that a boy would prefer to have everything available to him, to eat anything, or deal with any different women, etc. Without Kedushat Yisrael. In that same Sudan, we do hold indeed that an Evid would prefer to remain an Evid, and that way he can. Uh, have relations with various shvachot, uh, etc., and you'd rather keep that uh, than to become Jewish. And that's why you cannot accept a star shichur on behalf of an Ebed without him expressly 
uh, pointing is over Zachov. Hamashmala and the Hanimili God also. Who is teaching us that only applies to um, somebody who's already an adult. The Tam Tam Yisur has already tasted forbidden fruit, and Yara doesn't want to take it away. About Katan, but a little kid, Schutalo. It's a clear cut Schut. The kid has not yet involved himself in life of promiscuity, of licentiousness, or of uh, unbridled uh, appetite. And therefore, it's a Schut for him to become Jewish. So that's what Ravun is teaching. So now, Lenin the Seyale, perhaps our Mishnah supports it. It says, If you are by true Avishu, we have here a convert who was converted before the age of three. How did she convert before the age of three? My love that you know that baiting. Are we talking about a case where the girl is delivered by her family or whatever it is to the baiting? So here you take her, and the baiting is not to her, and you consider her a diorit. So no, we say You know what we're talking about? We're talking about a family converted together. She's not doing all that baiting. She's doing all that aviha. Her father, her mother, her older brothers and sisters are all converting. Of course, she's going to convert. She wants to be with them. Right, They like to do what their father does. They want to be, be with their father. But so now, I'm, that's the, the, the first point. Amar of Yosef. Yosef comments on the issue of gerkatan. That when such a gerkatan comes of age, they can protest and say, "I don't want to be Jewish." What you did for me when I was six years old, I wasn't interested in it. And repudiated and walk away from it. Our Mishnah says, and we said that this is talking about a case of somebody who is a Ger Katan who, uh, who will get a Ketubah Matayim because the conversion is before the age of three. Now, and if it's like you say, that once they come of age, they can change their mind. What are we going to give this girl a tuba? In other words, we have a girl who is 12 years old, 13 years old, 14 years old. She was converted at the age of two, of that baiting. And we're going to say such a girl still, because she was before the age of three, converted, therefore she gets a tuba of matayim. We give her a tuba of matayim. And then when she's 16, she turns around and says, not interested anymore, walks away. Is that a little bit ridiculous? So the answer is, the um, chigadla. We only give her the ketubah after she's already an adult. So, but the God not even So, when she's an adult, she'll walk out. In the case I gave, sixteen or seventeen. Rav Yosef had another piece of the puzzle. Rav Yosef said, and we don't know that Rav Yosef said this, but we're adding this on to Rav Yosef's statement. Rav Yosef said that he could do the yichol nuchot when they uh, become older; they can change, that they can repudiate what was done on their behalf. But there's a rider to that, which is if they exist as adults for even a short period of time and don't protest, then that's it. They've lost the chance to protest. So it's a very small window. At some point when they become around 13, somewhere 12, 13, somewhere at that point, where if they stand up and say, I don't want this, I don't want this Shabbos, I don't want this Kashrut, I don't want this stuff, then they can walk away. But if they continue to live as Jews throughout time, they turn around when they're 15 and 16 and say, ooh, I was converted when I was two, and I never really wanted it. Too late. And I'll just share with you that I had a Maaseh many, many years ago, uh, over 30 years ago. I was working at a particular camp, and a young woman came up to me who was a camper at the camp. I was uh, already about 15, 16 years old, very distraught. She was distraught because she had uh, been converted along with her mother, when she was a little girl, 
had felt that she never really accepted Judaism. She was an observant girl, she's a firm girl. But she felt that she never really accepted Judaism. She felt very bad. So um, we called, one of the gullies, we called her Aaron Soloveitchik, uh, um, and, uh, and asked him the question. Um, and on the spot, he just went directly to the sugya and said she was already lived as a Jew, lived in a reserved Jew at the age of 12 and 13 and 14 and 15. Her gear is 100%. Once we told the girl that, of course, she felt much better and, uh, and felt comfortable living in her own skin as it were. Good. Okay, that is, um, that's the end of that piece. But now there's another piece. Make the Rava. Rava challenges Rav Yosef's ruling, which is that they can repudiate it. Abaye challenges it from our Mishnah, and then explained that in, our, in the case of our Mishnah, we only give her the Tubai after she becomes an adult, and at that point she can't change her mind anymore. Rava came up from a different direction. This is a Mishnah in the beginning of the third pair of Tubot. Uh, this refers to knas, which is given to girls who are narot, exactly that age, between the onset of puberty for the next six months, um, who, if they are raped or seduced, they, there's a knas given to them. We'll go into that in a few weeks when we get to the third parak. However, it says, So those are meaning, that even you had to deal with somebody who's not right with the whole beast, you cannot have a marriage with, nonetheless, you still have to pay the knas. Same deal as ours. A convert, let's say a girl converted before the age of three. She's still called a na'arab bitula. Same halach as we have here. But now again you have the question. So again we have the same problem. If we accept Rav Yosef's face value, which is at any point in their life they could turn around and say, I'm out of here. Then, how can we give them a campaign in the Knas? How can we say you have to give the girl 50 shekel that she's then going to spend as a begeyuta? And it's not that we're opposed to giving money to go even may or may not be. That's not the issue here. But it's very bizarre for us to say you're fine and you have to pay this money to this girl, and then she's going to walk out and say, I'm not part of Am Yisrael, and take the money and run. Um, and so the answer we give is the chigadla, that we have to pay the money when she's already older. The same thing we said before. So when she's older, she'll protest and walk out. The answer is, Since she was already an adult for one minute, as it were, one hour, and didn't protest, she can't protest anymore. Now, Abai and Rava said the same thing. They challenged Rabbi Yosef's ruling with a circumstance where somebody who's clearly a ger katan, somebody who's converted before the age of three, um, and we assume it was al-dat um, is given a certain payment. And uh, the challenge is, if she can protest, like Rav Yosef says, then why are we giving the payment? The answer is, we give it to her late when she's older. And then we said, does she still walk out? The answer is, she can't walk out anymore. Good. So why do they bring different, different challenges? Abaye, who brought our Mishnah, he did not want to bring the Mishnah Knas. Why? Hatam Knasa says the fact that we pay the girl a Knas is much more reflective of the guy's status than of the girl's status. Why? We don't want to have it be that a guy who rapes a girl suddenly gets off scot-free because she happens to be a Giorat and we have concerns that she may walk out, etc., etc. He said the fact that we pay the Knas doesn't prove it doesn't challenge Rav Yosef. It could be that a girl can walk out and say, I'm not, I'm not Jewish anymore, and that'll be successful. We'll still give the guy the knas because we don't want this guy 
to get off scot-free with the terrible from the terrible thing that he did. Good. Rava Lomar Kabai and Rava chose uh, not to use our mission as a challenge because for a while did the rabbis institute ketubah, which is a huge lump payment if you divorce somebody. Why? Because they didn't want they wanted to make sure that it wouldn't be too easy. Man comes home, he's angry, he's in a bad mood. Whatever it is, he says, that's it, get out of here. Hey, you know what? It's going to cost you a lot of money to do that. You'll think twice, you'll think three times, you'll calm down, you'll uh, go out and talk to friends, you'll do whatever you need to do, and you'll come back and you'll try to make peace. And in words, of course, if it's something that's not livable, so you divorce. But otherwise, uh, you, you'll try to make it. And the, the, the financial factor is there to sort of tip those scales or make you slow down and think about it. So Rava said, the fact that we give this girl a full ketubah doesn't mean anything about the fact that she can walk out maybe in a few years. That doesn't challenge Rav Yosef. Because there, it's, it's a, to make sure that the guy doesn't fly off the handle. But Knas, Knas is something that we're, according to her, that we're giving to her, because she, her, her dignity was violated, her parents' house the dignity was violated, it wouldn't apply if it's a girl who can walk out. And there it's a challenge. Good. Okay, the next mission, which is Mishnah Gimel. HaGadol Shemal HaKtana. V'Katan Shemal HaGdola. Umukat Eitz. So a gadol, meaning an adult man, who has beal with a ktana. Ktana here is above the age of three, but below the age of twelve. Katan shvala gdola, and a boy who is over the age of nine, but, but not thirteen, has beal with a gdola. Mukat eitz. Uh, mukat eitz is simply we'll define it as um, as. Uh, I'm sorry. Let me let me uh, roll it back. A gadol shvala ktana means a gadol who has beal with a girl under the age of three. Or a katan, meaning a boy under the age of nine, which we say is bia is not a bia, as we saw in Yavamot, is bia with a gedola, umukat eitz. So what is a mukat eitz? Is a girl whose hymen has been punctured, as it were, as a result of maybe uh, hit literally by hit by a stick. Uh, classic case is riding a horse, riding on a bicycle, whatever it may be, right? Ktuvatan matan, Dura Meir. Meir says that such girls have a matan. Why? Because if the gadol has been with a tanas, we already said that a girl to the age of three, nothing happens. Uh, it's very soft tissue. A katan, his beer is not strong enough to puncture anything. And mukat eitz, we'll see, what Mayor says, is not considered, it's considered like anybody else who, for doing for organically and natural means, the hymen is no longer, is no longer tight. Alright, the Ramir. Chacham Omrim, they disagree about mukat eitz. Mukat eitz ktubata maneh. It's 100. That's Mishnah Gimel. The Mishnah Dalin is tacked on here, but you'll see the discussion of the Gemara only refers to it tangentially. Tula almana gushav chalutzav nanisuing tulatan maned, a betula who is an almana. A betula was an almana, or gusha or chalutzav min hanisuing. A strange case. Uh, if you we had in the earlier Mishnah, if you have a betula who is an almana min ha'erus and she's two hundred. If she is a betula, meaning they never had bia, but she is divorced or widowed from a status of nisuin, in other words, they have a chuppah, they never consummated, and the guy died or whatever, then, she still only gets a hundred, and there is no claim of betulim. We'll see, this is going to come up as the background of the next discussion. Now, this just simply follows that new put on the page. Simply follows from the previous Mishnah, if you have a girl who converted after the age of three, or a shifko became liberated after the age of three, or a captive, because the assumption about captives is they're being raped by their captors, 
a captive girl who was liberated after the age of three, um, they have a ketubah maneh, the assumption is they are bulah, and therefore, therefore the husband cannot come after the day after the marriage and claim, oh, she was, uh, she was not a ketubah. Not a claim, because we assume she's not a ketubah, and that's why you gave her a hundred zoos. And by the way, therefore, the wedding would not necessarily have to be on a Wednesday. There'd be no reason for that. Good. Now, I'm reviewing on a rap. Katan habal habdullah. The opening line of the Mishnah was that if a katan has biyod habdullah, asa'al mukaretz, he claims that that's the same as a mukaretz. In other words, that he's made some sort of puncture, but it doesn't count. Kamrita kamei to Shmuel. So remember, Rav Yehuda was a Talmud of Rav. He then became a Talmud of Shmuel, and often would quote things that Rav had said, and that Rav Yehuda had reported in Rav's name, to Shmuel, and then we hear Shmuel's reaction. Amar ein mukaretz babasar. Shmuel said, I disagree with Rav, there is no such thing as mukat eitz that's a result of flesh. It has to be a foreign object. Literally wood, again, a, a bicycle, a uh, seat, a uh, horse's saddle, whatever. Some people learned this without Rav Yehuda's going back and forth. But rather, katana baladullah, Rav amar sam mukat eitz, Shmuel amar in mukat eitz b'masar. I say machlote. Now, Meti Rav Oshai, Rav Oshai challenged this. Look at our Mishnah. In our Mishnah, Reb Meir equates Katan Jabal Abdullah and a Mukat Eitz, but Chacham disagree. They say Mukat Eitz is 100, but Katan Jabal Abdullah, they seem to say it's 200. And of course, we're following Chachamim. So, Amarav, as Rabbi said, Rabbi says, here's how I'm going to defend Rab. Shmuel is clean. Kashmuel says, Mukat Eitz is, uh, is a different story. And therefore, Chachamim disagree about Mukat Eitz, but not about that. But according to Rav, that said Mukat Eitz and Katana Balagdullah is the same, so why do Chachamim only disagree about Mukat Eitz and don't disagree about Katana Balagdullah? So Rav fixes it. He says, Achi Kamar, read the Mishnah as follows. Gadol Balagdana Vlokhlum. If a Gadol has been with a girl under three, that's nothing. Right? The pachot mikan can take etzba ba'ayim dami. It's like you put your finger in your eye. It's a little soft tissue you put it in, you blink, and then your eyes back to there. There's nothing in the hole in All right? That's first of all. Katan habalak dolah, but if you have a katan, it would be with a dolah, then asa'amu rabbanan. He says the way to read our Mishnah is not the straight way, but as follows. A gadol shabalak really is nothing. But a katan, is like a mukat eitz. And thou, mukat eitz, there is a machlot, Rameir Rabbanon. Rameir saying 200, Rabbanon saying 100. Good. That's the first piece. The next piece is, how do we understand the machlot, Rameir Rabbanon? In what circumstance do they disagree? Do they disagree straight down the line? A girl marries a guy in advance, says, listen, I ride horses, and, uh, you know, you should know that, that that's what you're getting. Or is it a girl who doesn't herself know, or perhaps does know, but doesn't reveal to the guy, and he finds out afterwards? That we're going to see. That's where we're going to go. Amr Rav Racham Machlokek Shikirba. The Machlokek or Meir Rabbanon about two hundred versus one hundred is only if he knew about it in advance. The Meir Medami Lala Bogeret Rabbanon Medami Lala Bula. The Meir says a Mukad Eitz is like a Bogeret. What's a Bogeret? A Bogeret is a girl who's fourteen, fifteen. A Bogeret of fourteen, fifteen already doesn't have the Tulim in the same way. And the Chacham said, no, she's like a Be'ula, a girl who's already had relations, who only gets 100. Everybody agrees that a Bogeret gets 200. Well, said not exactly already, but for the most part, everybody agrees that a Bogeret gets 200. Gets a regular uh, Bogeret who's not had Bia before, is not, uh, who gets 200. So Romero says she's like a Bogeret. 
Yeah. If the guy didn't know she was a Mukaretz and turned out to be she was, everybody, even her mayor, would agree she gets nothing. Why? Because we would call it a Mekach Ta'ut, a fraudulent Kinyan, as it were, and she gets nothing. Right, so now, Parenthetically, Rameyo, my madam al Bogaret, so why does Rameyo compare it to a Bogaret? Because because a Bula had relations with somebody. This one didn't have relations with somebody. Alright? The Mukarets didn't have Masavidi Adam, just like a Bogaret didn't have Masavidi Adam. Let's flip it around. Why did Rabbanon compare it to a Bu'ula, Jela gets 100? Compare it to a Bulgaria after the claim is good. A Bu'ula has relations. Smukaites didn't have relations. They make a simpler distinction. A Bulgaria had nothing happen to her. She just grew up. Her body just changed a little bit as she grew up, and therefore things uh, changed. All right? All right, sorry. Uh, but the Mukarets had a moment of trauma, as it were, in which things were one way, and then she got hit by something, bumped into something, fell off of something, and suddenly things were different. Just like it would be with relations, except there wasn't relations. So that's why Chacham uh, see it that way. Now, going back to Rami Barhama, he says, if the guy did not know she was a Mukarets, then everybody, even her mayor, would agree, and that's kind of strange, because according to our mayor, Mukarets is no worse than a non-Mukarets. So then, if he didn't know she was a Mukarets and found out she was, that's like saying, you know, he, he didn't know some other insignificant fact about her that's just not, of no bearing. Right? He didn't know she liked strawberries. Found out she liked strawberries. as well. that's going to change the ketubah? No way. So it's a very difficult approach to say that a mayor who says she's a 100% regular girl but if he didn't know she was a Mukaret, and, and then he finds out she is, then it's a Makachta. That's strange. So let's see. Mate of Rab Nachman. Rab Nachman challenges Rab Nachman and says, He omered Mukaret, son, is the later Mishnah Shazayim, uh, in which he comes and claims, Petach Patuach Matzati. And she says, Mukaret, son. And she says, Yes, indeed, it's a Petach Patuach, but not because I had relations with anybody, but because I fell off a bike. Right? So. Um, he said, no, you're that way because you have relations. This is part of a series of Mishnayot that we have at the end of the first parak. I'm sure this agrees. Good. So now, if that means Nemenet, that means that her claiming Mukha 8 means that she's going to get something. Because what does Nemenet mean? It means we believe her, as opposed to believing him. And if we believe in her, that means that she's claiming she should get some of the tuba or all the tuba. So you can't say that everybody agrees that if a man didn't know his wife was Mukaretz and married her and found him Mukaretz, she gets nothing, because then what's the man at me? So that doesn't work. Allah Amar Rava Rava reformulates it. Bain he kirba, vein lo kirba. Whether or not he knew she was a Mukaretz or not, Rameir Matayim, Rabona, Rameir Matayim. And that, of course, makes sense. Because if Rameir says a Mukaretz is, is great, is fine, there's nothing different about her, then knowing about it, not knowing about it, is like knowing that she likes whipped cream, it doesn't like whipped cream, it's irrelevant to the issue. And therefore, she should get my time. But the Rabbanan, he cared about Maneh, no, he cared about Veloklum. If he knew in advance that she was a Mukaret, she got some Maneh. If he didn't know, then Veloklum. And that's, of course, very appealing. Because the Rabbanan see Mukaret as being substantially and significantly different than a Betula. And therefore, if he married her with the assumption she's a Betula and finds her to be a Mukaret, Indeed, it was a mekach ta'ut, it was a fraudulent uh, uh, 
relationship, fraudulent presentation, and therefore overlook clue. Now that's Rava. The Hadar Bey Rava. And guess what? Rava changed his mind. We'll see where he changed his mind. Rava changed his mind. How do we know that? The tiny. Start out as follows. You're right. The Kate said, Osat Shemra. In Parsha Kitate say there's a story about Motsi Shemra. A man marries a girl, and then he comes and, and accuses her of having had uh, infidelity while she was already betrothed to him. Okay, how does it play out? Follow Beitim Yamar. If the guy comes to the Beitim, the guy, the Chatan, comes to the Beitim and says, Ploni, mystery, talks to the girl's father. I did not find your daughter to be a Betula. Of course, if we have Adim, that she really had relations while she was betrothed to him, so Yeshlak Tuba Maneh. Then she gets a hundred. What are you talking about? If we have witnesses that she, that she committed adultery, she's not getting Tuba, she's getting killed. This is what he said. Correct. If we have Adim that she really had Znut while she was betrothed to him, she gets Skila. Zintami Ikara, but if we have Adim that her Znut was before Kiddushin, she slept with the guy. So Yeshlak Tuba Maneh. Then she gets a hundred. What does that prove to you? It proves to you that if a guy marries a girl with the assumptions of Betula and turns out not to be, she doesn't lose the Ketubah. It's not a Mekachtahu. She just gets a hundred. We rewrite the Ketubah as it were. Now that's the bright that we still have to get back to Rav. What do Rav Sheshit say? You see from here a very important principle. You marry a girl uh, with the assumption she's a Betula. It turns out to be a bula. She still gets a hundred. She doesn't get nothing. You don't say it's a makachtaut. She just simply gets a hundred. Now, Umayyad Rav Nachman and the Rav Nachman challenged that by saying the following: If a man marries a woman and finds her not to be a bula, he This is again one of those later mishnayot. She says, "I was raped after you betrothed me, and I was already yours, and you lost. Like your field was flooded." We said at the beginning of the masachet. He said, no. Rather, this happened to you before I was I was a Makadishu, and therefore when I was Makadishu, it was fraudulent, and therefore all bets are off. So now, what does he mean? And he says, which means she gets nothing, which means, here we see, that if a man marries a woman with the assumption that she is a Betula, turns out to be a Beula, then she gets nothing. That's a Makachtaut. Now, that, we continue the conversation. It's all recalling a conversation. Rav All of the G'dolei Ador was sitting when Rav Shesha challenged the first reading that said, that if a guy, the Hotzat Shema reading, that said that if a guy accuses the girl, and it turns out that she really did have Znuk in advance, before they were betrothed, then she still gets a hundred. And then we challenge that from here, where it seems like she gets nothing. They were all sitting there. Uh, you know what mekachtaut means? Mekachtaut means, doesn't mean when the guy says, I am mekachtaut, it doesn't mean you get nothing. It means you don't get the 200, but rather 100. And you're, in, you're inferring from here she gets nothing? Here comes Rava. He says, Manda Kamotiv, Shapa Kamotiv. No, it's a good challenge. Why? Because Mekachtol, the Gavarash, the word Mekachtol means you get nothing. The word Mekachtol means, doesn't mean it's not as much as I thought and you get less. Mekachtol means the entire thing was fraudulent and the entire deal goes back. You take the item back, I get my money back, Mekachtol. So don't tell me that Mekachtol might be uh, not 200 but 100. It means not 200 but nothing.
which means, um, right? Uh, so now, how do you how do you reconcile these two statements? And in one statement, it says that um, that uh, that if he's motzi shemra, and it turns out she had znut beforehand, then uh, indeed um, she will still get a hundred. And in the other case, we said that um, if she that we said that if she claims that it was a uh, that she was raped before the kiddushin, and it wasn't under his purview, that we say that in such a case um, uh, she gets nothing. So how do you reconcile them? Right? So we say Taritz um, You have to reread the bright of Amotzi Shemran's follows. If there are witnesses that she had Znut while she was betrothed to him, then of course there's Skila. That's no question. That's easy. Sintan Ikara, if she had Znut originally, she gets nothing. So what did Rava do? Rava put it all together. He said, of course it's the case that if you marry somebody on, with the assumptions of Betula, it turns out to be Bula, she gets nothing. But, how do we answer the Moshe Shemra piece? If it turns out she was only Mukareitz, then she does get a hundred. Which proves to you that a Mukareitz uh, still does get a hundred, even according to Rabbanan, even if he didn't know it in advance. So Rabbi changed his mind, and in the end it plays out that according to mayor, you always get two hundred, and according to Rabbanan, you always get one hundred. Good. Ah, Ravu is the one who's reported as saying that according to the Rabbanon, if he didn't know in advance, she gets nothing. Obviously, Rabba changed his mind. Good, that's the end of that piece. A guy marries a girl. He marries her. And there are witnesses that the two of them were never in seclusion. Then the fellow dies. Or they were in seclusion for 10 seconds. They were in seclusion, but not long enough to consummate. The second guy still cannot claim Tanapatulim. Right? Because after all, the first guy married her. And it's, even though it's clear that the first guy did not have deal with her, there was just no opportunity, nonetheless, the second guy cannot claim Tanapatulim. What does that prove to you? That if the guy marries her which is what this case is, and she turns out to be Bula, she still gets Ketuvah Maneh, which is why he has no Tanah Petulim. Now, Rashi says, this does not prove anything. Generally, Rashi says, which is generally, I'll tell you that in such a case she gets nothing, which is what we were arguing earlier. This is a little different because in this case, the first guy married her. We're not talking about a girl who's married for the first time and now the guy discovers that she already had beer with somebody and she was sleeping around. No, it's somebody who marries a girl who was already married. And therefore, his assumption here is even though we know she didn't have relations, he's, he's thinking of her as that way. So why aren't we concerned that maybe the fact that she had, she, he found Peta Patuach was not because she consummated with the first guy, because we know she didn't, but rather, maybe she cheated on this new husband before he was able to complete the marriage. Shravya gets very contemporary. He says, maybe they did it the way we do it today, which is Kiddushin and Nisuin, right on the spot, immediately. Okay? Some people learned this entire conversation as being a comment on our Mishnah. 
a girl who went to the chuppah, she was in the chuppah, where the, there's a lot of people around, they see them in the chuppah, and the guy drops dead. Or the guy divorces her, and they never had beer. And Rabbah says, Don't make a chesca betula, and you say, Pulak, tuba tamaneh. Right, so Rabbah says, You see from here, that if a guy marries a girl, the chizkat betula, she turns out to be bula, she still gets a hundred. As long as she wasn't taftad. She wanted the only way to the chabi, amalei baklal, shariachashar, nichasal chuppah. Same version. He says this is not a proof, not a model, because in this case she was married to a guy, so therefore the, the, the second fellow was thinking of her as a bula. Now, parenthetically, whoever learns this conversation as being about the Braita, um, which is the uh, case about. Um, um, certainly will apply it to the Mishnah. We'll see in a minute why. But whoever would read it as a comment on our Mishnah, would not apply it to the Brayta. Why? In the case of the Brayta, fellow says, fellow says, I've got witnesses that uh, she wasn't in seclusion with the guy at all, which means I'm assuming 100% she's a Betula. And you're telling me, nonetheless, I can't come and claim Tanah Betulim? That's because if you marry somebody Betula, and um, it turns out she's a Bula, she still gets a, um, a hundred, and there is no Tanah Betulim. But in the Mishnah, that's not the case. In the Mishnah, we have a case where, uh, right at the Chuppah itself, we're not doing the initial right at the Chuppah itself, the marriage was terminated. And therefore, um, it's quite clear that this case is different, and it can't be a model for other cases. So, um, we have completed until Yudbet Amr Aleph. We'll pick up with the next Mishnah, which will give us some of the details. We've already seen an allusion to in the earlier part of the Masachet, of the particular Minhag in Eretz Yehuda, of having the couple have Yichud immediately after Erusin, and the implications of that. I really should have a wonderful day.